Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and in today's episode, you will get to hear as Elizabeth Faulkner from our leadership development team talks with three pastors, Darren Phillips from Ocean View Church in Ladysmith, Jordan Gold from Shuswap Community Church in Salmon Arm, and Dan Steenson from Maple Ridge Baptist Church about the challenges of comparing ourselves to others, especially right now in the middle of this COVID-19 season where everything is online for all of us to see. You'll get to hear great stories, life experiences, and wisdom from God's Word as these pastors share practical insight and encouragement for you as you fight that inner battle of comparison. Let's listen in now to Elizabeth's conversation with Darren, Jordan, and Dan. Welcome to the Propel podcast. I'm Elizabeth Faulkner, and I'm here with three of our pastors to talk about the comparison game. And I'm calling this the Comparison Game Podcast. And I know that sounds like a game show. Um, so sure, you can pretend it is, but it's not going to be quite as fun as that. Because we're actually talking about a fairly serious topic, uh, which I think affects all of us as leaders. Um, you know, maybe more profoundly at different times than others. But I know it's something that I have struggled with in my leadership. And I think um, what I'm hearing from leaders I'm talking to that it's slightly more pronounced uh, during this, the last couple of months during uh, COVID. But before we get all into that, uh, why don't you introduce yourselves, your church, tell us about your role in your church briefly, and tell us why you love your church. And I know, I know you could go on and on about that, uh, but I just really briefly tell us why you love your church. Jordan, why don't you get us started? I'm Jordan Gold. I'm the campus pastor at the Salmon Arm campus at Shishwap Community Church. And so we're a multi-site church in the interior in BC. Uh, I love SCC um, campus-wide, but I'll stick to our campus, that it's community rich and it is always moving. There's a great deal of movement within our church, both people coming in, people growing, people finding community, safe place. So I, I consistently see that story being told, and that would be what I love. Awesome. Glad to have you, Jordan. Dan. Yeah. Um, so I'm Dan Steenson. I am the youth and young adults pastor uh, at Maple Ridge Baptist Church in Maple Ridge, BC, north of the Fraser. Uh, I started here this last fall, and I think for me, the thing that has really stood out to me that I'm passionate about um, and excited about and love about our church is that we are... Uh, uh, we as a congregation across all generations are committed to reaching the next generation. Um, mm. And that's been such a gift coming in, in my role um, to know that across the board, our congregation sold out on what it means to reach uh, the millennial and Gen Z generations with Christ. And that's such a, such a huge win for me as a youth pastor, but in general for our city. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Darren. Yeah. Yeah, Darren Phillips. I've been lead pastor at uh, Ocean View Community Church here in Ladysmith on Vancouver Island uh, for 10 years. Just celebrated our 10-year anniversary in January. Um, yeah, so uh, what I love about our church, uh, just a huge, huge heart for our community. So I got a call from the food bank last week, and uh, Ladysmith's food bank is kind of known on Vancouver Island as being the best little uh, food bank. Um, and uh, so our church always monthly supports it. We help with the rent and different little things. Uh, but all of a sudden this person, and I don't know who it is from our church, 
Uh, but they showed up at the food bank, sat down with the director and said, uh, you guys are obviously trying to stretch your dollars as, as much as you can during this time. And so many people are coming to the food bank and all that. And so uh, the food bank will typically receive donations and then they'll buy stuff like pasta or beans or rice, which you can buy a lot of and stretch your dollars really, really far. And he goes, I bet you're not giving out any meat. And they're like, no, no. During this time, no, obviously. He goes, yeah, I've been thinking about it, praying about it. And I would like to donate 300 kilograms of uh of meat you just tell me what people will use whether that's chicken beef whatever whatever and uh and they're like what seriously that's incredible because 300 kilograms what is it 2.25 pounds to the kilogram so <laughs> we're talking almost 650 <laughs> pounds of meat yeah and they were just blown away with this donation he said i don't want anyone to know who it is i just mm -hmm. want it to be done in the name of the church. So this is a donation from someone who's a part of Ocean View Community Church. And so he went to the supplier company who's gonna mm -hmm. be doing the deliveries. Obviously you can't show up with all that at once. They wouldn't have that much freezer space. So they're gonna <laughs> kind of bring some every month. And the company got so excited and we're so impressed that this individual is being so generous. They decided to match it. So that 300 kilograms has turned into 600 kilograms. Uh, yeah. So that's almost 1,500 pounds of meat to our local food bank. So and, sweet. Uh, the, the lady who called me from the food bank and said, my name is Paula. And, you know, <laughs> I just, I'm supposed to call you and tell you what someone in your church who you don't know <laughs> it has done. And awesome. as she told me the whole story, I just kind of went off on her, my pastoral yeah. thing. I'm like, <laughs> Paula, that's fantastic. That's the church being the church in the community. And she obviously doesn't go to church. She's like, okay, that sounds fine. I guess I'm just giving her this full on church missional speech. So yeah, it's fantastic. So I just, I love that about our church. Yeah. With just a huge heart for the community. So that was pretty so encouraging. Awesome. I love asking that question because all, you know, everybody's listening you're probably, they probably aren't watching this video, but everybody's eyes just like, woo, sparkled and, and lit up. So that's exciting. And that's partly why I invited you each here because I know you're very, each very passionate about uh, the ministry that you have in your church. So thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, it's kind of funny because we're talking about this comparison game today about, you know, this struggle with e either maybe thinking we're worse than everybody else, or maybe even thinking that we're better than everybody else. And so I was thinking, oh, even by inviting three of you to this podcast, uh, this, this struggle could be going on in our heads right now. So I thought that was kind of an kind of interesting. And, um, but during COVID, I think it's been easy for churches and individuals um, to compare, you know, their technology abilities, maybe they're learning to speak in front of a camera for the first time. I know Jordan, you and I talked about that challenge, or they're comparing each other's community initiatives, right? Like even hearing Darren talking about this awesome story, you know, you could find yourself thinking, well, why doesn't anybody in my church you know, do something like that, right? Like these kind of feelings I think are cropping up all the time inside our heads and in our leadership. Um, and you know, just in our fellowship alone, we have large churches, we have small churches, we have me uh, medium sized churches. And during COVID, 
everything we're doing is very accessible and very visible. And I think it's easier, easy, really easy to get sucked into the sucked into this void of comparing. And when I was talking about this with some immersed students this week, they called it the great joy sucker. Um, and so that kind of reson resonated with me because I really think it does uh, suck the joy out of leadership when we get stuck in that comparison game. Uh, so I think it's pretty safe to assume that all of our leaders out there listening today have probably struggled with this um, in some way or another during their ministry and had to kind of wrestle it to the ground or are continuously wrestling uh, that to the ground. So I'm wondering, first of all, how has comparison um, challenged you uh, during this COVID season? How has that, those comparison feelings challenged you? Maybe Dan, you could get us started with that. Yeah, sure. So um, like I said, I, I serve in primarily youth and young adults ministry and um, just naturally what youth ministry has been for a really long time is, uh, is a numbers-based programmatic approach. And so, you know, as you gather with other people, it's really natural and I've done it and every guy's done it is, is the natural question when you see people, how big's your group? How big's your group? How big's your group? How big's your group? And now all of a sudden, as things have transitioned to online or YouTube or Instagram or whatever it may be, like the nature of, of online ministry is that there's literally a number attached <laughs> to everyone's um, as well as the fact that you can't do, like you can't do the pastor math. Like it's amazing how good I am at rounding up to the nearest hundred um, at like any event I do or, or anything like that. <laughs> um, but the, the reality is that it's, it, like you said, it is incredibly clear. Um, when you look at social media, exactly how many people are watching and, and you can get these super detailed analytics of how many seconds and those kind of things. And, you know, we're amazing at being like, look at how many views, but I, at the same time, I can see the analytics and be like, oh man, 75% of those were for three seconds or less. So like all those kind of things just become, they bounce around. And I think there is already in the nature of uh, what our culture is and where people are, which is social media, is that I can see and anyone can see the sermons, the content coming out of large churches, whatever churches, whatever ministries of incredibly gifted pastors and teams and all those kind of things. And, you know, who hasn't listened to a great sermon and been like, man, why can't I preach like Tim Keller? Well, because you're not Tim Keller. That's okay. <laughs> um, and so I think that, that right now what COVID has done is it's amplified what was already there in terms of the comparison um, that happens on social media that I think um, particularly for, for younger generations has been there through the time that we've kind of stepped into ministry and youth ministries in particular, we're very active on social media because that's where our students are. Um, but I think for us, at least looking at it, it's, it's just amplified what was already there. If, if we're being really honest, um, it's not really a new problem that we compare each other based on social media followings, but it's amplified the problem because it's the only place we can go right now. Totally. Yeah, what about you, Darren? How has how has that affected you? Yeah, probably the fourth or fifth weekend I had one week off. So my family and I were at home watching services online. And so I had tuned into uh Crossroads Church in Red Deer, big church, so I don't know, three and a half thousand people or something. And mm -hmm. um they you know, the I mean their production quality, their music, you're like, wow. Oh, seriously, seriously wish I had that equipment. <laughs> and man, that dude's incredible guitar player. And like, you just, it's so funny. You just naturally somehow do it. 
And then, you know, I tuned in and heard Mark Clark at Village speak. And I was like, man, this, the illustrations roll off that guy's tongue. Like he's sliding illustrations in between illustrations. (laughs) And, and, you know, it is, it's a subtle thing. You don't set out to compare yourself, but you Mm -hmm. just somehow do. And I think for me, like, as I mentioned, celebrating 10 years here at Ocean View, it's almost like that marker where you kind of sit back and go, okay, so what's happened in 10 years? And you almost inevitably want to compare, right? You're like, okay, so our church is a little less than 200 on Sundays. Why is it not 500? And yeah, you start playing those games and comparing yourself. So yeah, absolutely. At 47, I wouldn't say I've completely conquered the comparison game by any stretch oh bummer i was hoping i was hoping it would get better for me in the next couple of years darren (laughs) and the next 20 when you finally hit 47 yeah (laughs) how about you jordan darren that's funny you mentioned crossroads our worship director came from red deer and that's been one of the churches that again is on our docket is looking to I would say, you know, pre-COVID, because the unique nature SCC is, like we're multi-site in small rural communities, it was hard for us even to gain, um, you know, a comparison game that was even fair and close. So we just kind of gave that up years ago because we were a pretty unique anomaly. But then I would say for us, what's happened, and especially for me, is when COVID hit, the ground was totally flattened. Every church is on the same ground now. It doesn't matter if you're multi-site, rural, urban, doesn't matter. We're all online. And I would say in the name of faithfulness, like what can happen is this deceptive heart can come in play of we want to increase our numbers so we're faithful to our mandate. And I would say that's, that's been the crippling kind of kryptonite in my own heart is when I look at view count and, and I look at, you know, reach and engagement. And again, the stats Dan mentioned, it can quickly become about, oh, this is how we're going to be missional. And this is how God's going to work in this time. But really what my heart's after and looking at these churches and seeing what they're doing it's just that it's just comparing and it's seeing if we're holding ground, if we're losing ground, you know? Mm. Um, so I would say for us, it has been actually a fairly new um, thing to wrestle through over the last two months is comparing against, yeah, these great churches all throughout uh, BC, Canada, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Which is so interesting, right? Because each of you, you know, spoke passionately about how awesome your church is, right? And so it's, isn't it interesting that we get stuck in that um, kind of game? And I, I like, Jordan, how you called it kind of the kryptonite <laughs> of your soul, right? Because a lot of times, I think comparison, that comparison feeling is really about pride, right? Or it's about envy, or um, things that really are what we would call sin in many many ways right um so yeah but we don't always think about that we often think of it more in terms of self-esteem or uh confidence or something like that which you know they're affected by those but what has been helping you deal with this then um in a god honoring way what has really been helping you or has there been like a specific thing or something just a thought or some a person what has helped been helping you uh deal with this in a god honoring way um why don't we who wants to jump in darren all right i could just see it in your eyes (laughs) um I think, I think actually, uh, other pastors, uh, friends, I think, uh, Feb Pacific staff have been great. Um, 
and they're just kind of like it's a good perspective check like phillips relax chill out man like it's it's not about comparing yourself you're in a unique community in a unique spot trying to do ministry in a unique way um vancouver island's its own special deal um it's it's very much got that post-religion kind of slightly new hippie vibe and uh, we're super distrustful of religious institutions or institutions of any kind all those kind of things so yeah i've just felt like yeah for 10 years there's so much groundwork and tilling up the ground and earning credibility in our community and uh yeah sometimes when a, a david harita or a todd chapman or a uh, another pastor friend, my buddy Jason Oldham's at uh, at South Delta now, and they're like, "Yeah, but Darren, remember, like, you guys have done some awesome stuff over ten years. You've laid some groundwork. Like, be faithful. God's gonna bring the blessing." And you kind of go, "Ooh, yeah, you're right." Like, you just you get so much. I don't know. I can't speak for anyone else, but I get very myopic I, I just focus in on my church my situation our town and and you kind of lose the bigger perspective and sometimes friends are just i don't know so helpful true it's true i like i like that the, the react you need that reality check and sometimes that really does need to come from somebody else right mm -hmm. yeah how about you dan uh, yeah, just even along um, with what Darren's saying, I think like if I'm if I'm totally honest, it's hard to have really good friendships when you're a pastor. And I think a lot of pastors, myself included, this has always been a struggle for me is what's what's that line and what's the boundary to be to be and to have really deep friendships within people in your congregation? Because there is a power dynamic that is at play when you are a leader in a church that that makes you potentially fearful, potentially nervous, potentially unsure what what's right and wrong and what your position is and so i think for me going along what darren's saying like i just need people who actually know what's going on in my life and don't give uh don't give a crap how big my youth ministry is um like i i need people uh like that in my life who don't care um yeah who don't care what my job title is or what my role is they care about me and they care about my marriage they care about um how i'm doing in terms of following jesus not just leading a church and so you know i have a few guys in my corner who i call on a weekly basis and we're checking in um and you know the conversation is not about how'd your youth group go it's about hey how are you doing and so for me what what has been the most helpful is when i'm talking to friends and the conversation is about the state of our souls not the state of our ministries mm. um is a huge huge piece of it for me so i think yeah as as Darren was saying, it's, it really is about who are the people in my world who know everything about me um, and who have the right to ask me any question and I'm going to be honest about it. Because yeah. um, really that uh, not only gives you space to process and be real about what, what it is you're going through or what it is that's hard or whatever, um, but it also, I think, humbles you a little bit as a leader to be like, hey, like I don't have to front to my church, to my community, on my Instagram stories, whatever, that everything's perfect and everything's awesome and we're just gonna kill it in this season and oh, what an amazing opportunity. It's all those things, but like, let's not fake it. <laughs> Cause like, and I, I mean, I work with high school students, the quickest, the quickest thing that they can smell is like lies <laughs> and fakeness and they hate it. And you know, so do I, when I smell it on other people is, is that kind of thing. And so who are the people like in my life who I can be fully real with? And if I don't have those people, I know I'm not healthy. Um, and you can usually gear, you know, my life when I look back in seasons of 
if I have people who know what's going on in my world, I tend to be in a lot healthier of a place, particularly when it comes to comparison, because mm-hmm. I know that I can be humble before God and before my friends um, and, and know that, that they're in my corner no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting that those relationships and friendships. And I like how you said, Dan, that actually that's a struggle sometimes for mm-hmm. pastors and leaders and I know I've had a hard time with figuring out who, who are my friends. Um, and, but that's super important. Um, of course, <laughs> Jordan, further thoughts on this. So I'm a, an awful golfer, horrid. I went golfing <laughs> with a buddy on Monday and I measure a good golf game by losing 20 balls and less. And it happened, which is great. And I found in golfing games, same to ministry, uh, this analogy will make sense quick. It's no Mark Clark illustration, but it'll get us by, is uh, when I tense up my game, when all the pressure's on and I'm just beating myself up, in my head too much, I'm being hypercritical in my game. You just tense, you don't play well. And I found this bench between Steve, I got a guy out here named Daryl, Elizabeth, you've been a voice that's been key in this, of just saying, just, just be. Uh, in the season, no one's used to this. Just be, let your game be your game. And you can find even in golf, right? You, your game just loosens up. You have a better time. You lose less balls. And I found that true. Last weekend I preached and, and Daryl texted me the morning of, and he said, don't perform, don't impress. Just preach like you normally would preach. Trust God. And then after the weekend, preach back, well done. You know, and just this kind, reassuring, encouraging voice. And I found that really essential in this season because I can live in my head way too much and just like a bad golf game, it can become this bad season of, uh, yeah. of stress-filled ministry. So. so interesting, right? How much we all need encouragement um, really to, to thrive and to be able to conquer that comparing each other. And just a reminder, I mean, not only to, you know, look for it for ourselves, but who are we giving that out to? And so uh, I know that, I had a rough night one night last week where I was comparing myself, uh, my abilities to someone else. And um, I couldn't sleep. Actually, I was wrestling. I, you know, I think God maybe brought that, that moment on, but I couldn't sleep because I'm like, oh, I shouldn't, I should not be a leader. What am I doing as fo- part of Fellowship Pacific? I'm not as good as this person or, or this person. And then um, the only way I got over it was actually starting to pray for some of these people. And it's kind of that same idea, right? Is when you stop looking at yourself and start looking at others and what they need, it changes your perspective on this, right? And that's kind of what what you guys are talking about. Somebody saw you, they encouraged you, they looked beyond themselves and helped kind of, that's what helps lift people out of this comparison game. Um, Elizabeth, can I jump in? Yeah. I just thought of this when Dan was talking and reminded me. Dan, my first seven years, I was a youth pastor at Saanich Baptist in Victoria. And uh, it was in my last year. And uh, my buddy got tickets to this youth specialties convention in Dallas, Texas. So Jason Oldham, my other friend Grant and I, we all went down to this thing in Texas. I'd never been to Texas. What a crazy, weird experience it was. (laughs) Anyway, super funny. You're in this huge youth specialties thing. There's thousands of youth pastors, youth workers, all this stuff. And at one point, they break you off in seminars. And so there's that guy at Saddleback, uh, Doug Fields. I think he was kind of the youth ministry guru. And so I go to this thing. It was the most over the top. I couldn't believe it. They, you know, he gives his little talk. And then the, he says, all right, let's have some questions from, from you guys. This guy sticks up his hand. He's like, yeah, 
So I started at my church and there was like 50 kids and now there's like 200 and I'm just wondering what I should do. I'm like, what in the world? Like revival's breaking out here. This is incredible. And so Doug kind of, you can kind of see this look on his face like, um, okay, maybe that's happening or maybe you're just <laughs> trying to make yourself look great. And so he gives him an answer. Next dude. Yeah, I started at my church. We had like 80 and now we got 300. And I was just wondering what I should do. Like it was just out of control. It went like three or four people in the room. Everyone's out doing the next one. Yeah. Like it was just the most ridiculous thing. And then, uh, and finally he's like, all right, do we have any other questions on like a different topic? Mm-hmm. And I put up my hand. I said, actually, I'm leaving my church. Like I've been the youth guy there for seven years. I said, I'm on my way out. Um, I said, how do I best transition? And you could almost see it was like this little moment of eye contact between the two of us. And he's like, uh-huh. Like, <laughs> there's a real question. <laughs> like, and I think there's a certain level of maturity you hit in ministry where, yeah, you're right, Dan. Like, there's the guys, how big's your youth ministry? How big's your youth, your youth group? All this kind of stuff. And they're, they're that's how they're ranking and comparing. But a, a veteran ministry worker is like, tell me about what Jesus has done in your life lately. Or mm-hmm. they start asking deeper, better questions more right. than just numbers because those fluctuate so much, you know? And uh, yeah, he gave me a phenomenal answer, by the way, which was super helpful. And <laughs> I went and did what he said. But I just always stuck out to me as the most extreme example of comparison game within one room of people. Yeah. But it's interesting though, because I think those extremes happen inside our heads a lot. Right. And that, I mean, that's crazy that that would happen out in open, but I, what I, what I think happens is this, this happens a lot more inside of our heads. And I really think it is extremely, I actually think it's very harmful uh, to our own spiritual walks and to the unity of our churches in general. But let's talk about the results. When we get stuck in that comparison game, whether it is in our heads or like you experienced, Darren, with in this group of people trying to one-up each other, what is the result, do you think? How does that affect us personally? How does that affect, you know, our church or even how does that affect us as a group of churches? You can talk about it however you like. Maybe Jordan, you want to start us out with that? Yeah, I think you become out of step with rest because you're always trying to fix the issue. And so fatigue and a depletion of joy. Like I just find my, I've found, gosh, in the last three weeks, my, I'm so tired on not just a physical, but my like my mental, my spiritual, I'm just wiped because yeah. it's always thinking through how can we remedy, you know, how can I somehow change online someone's heart in my church that has a hard time engaging with online content for a myriad of factors how can i change that heart because somehow that's a discipleship issue or somehow that's my influence lacking or somehow that's what we're producing being insufficient you know and all these poisonous thoughts just strip joy um and and deplete and and cause a great deep fatigue so i i've found that to be true of kind of our staff myself certainly yeah yeah what about you, Darren? What do you think's the result when you get stuck in that? Well, the most extreme, obviously, would be, you know, man, I'm I'm just not good. Yeah, it's time to to give up, move on, all mm-hmm. those kind of things. 
And ultimately, I mean, yeah, I think we're all vulnerable to the greener pastures lure, the temptation. Oh, it's got to be amazing over there at that church. But honestly, it's those issues of our own soul. They follow us with us wherever we go. We import the, the same soul problem. So, yeah, it's almost that sense of, uh, of yeah, it can, it can be so deadly. It can cause, you know, people who are just about maybe to break through and, and see a real season of blessing in their church and in their ministry, but they compared so harshly that they ended up leaving or they ended up making a bad decision or, yeah, I don't know, those kind of things. So Interesting. Yeah. So that depletion of joy, like Jordan said, and the, the issues of our soul, <laughs> the bad, the bad stuff in our soul kind of taking over from really all that God has done, right? Yeah. So Dan, what about you? What are, what are the, uh, what's the result? Yeah, I think like two, probably twofold for me. One similar to what Jordan was saying is um, I get exhausted, but I also, the way I operate and, and the people closest to me, especially my wife noticed this better than anyone, is I start operating and I'm hurried in everything I do and I'm rushing um, and there's always too much to do and there's always too much on the plate and there's always more to do and I'm always just checking my email one more time and I always just got to work on the thing a little longer and all those kind of things and whether it's um, whether it's a Sabbath day rest or whether it's just a general sense of like, am I at peace and at rest and can I sit down and have a meal with my family and mm. not be constantly thinking about uh, work and the church and all those kinds of things. And so it's, yeah, like, like Jordan's saying, I just get rushed and exhausted and it's, it's running. Um, you know, I was driving my car the other day and the gas light came on and I was like 50 kilometers from a gas station. And I could feel that like tension of like, I think it's going to make it. I don't know if it's going to make it. I got to go. Do I push the gas harder because that'll get me there faster? Or is that going to get rid of the gas? Do I try to coast? And like this panic mode sets in. And I think for me, when I'm comparing myself, that's exactly what happens. I spend my energy, my, my gasoline on comparing, and then I'm running on fumes to do the actual ministry God's called me to. And then, and then secondly, which is almost a result of that, is I miss what God's doing and the people I'm actually called to right? Like who cares if my group is five kids or 10 kids right now? Um, I had a kid in our junior high ministry on a Zoom meeting where our junior high ministry got, you know, cut in half when we switched over to Zoom because half the kids don't have internet or half the kids' parents don't want to help them sign in, whatever the situation may be. But then there's this kid who hops into the meeting and just wants to talk for like 20 minutes about who's your favorite Avenger. And, and if I'm so busy rushing to figure out how to create a better media post or figure out how to copy whatever the big church did or oh my goodness did you see what um judah smith in seattle did we got to recreate that graphic recreate like i'm gonna miss out on a 10 year old boy who's lonely and sad and just wants to talk about the avengers like i i i don't want to miss that you know what i mean and and i think when i'm trapped in the comparison game i am like i got blinders on to what god's doing in the people around me and and it breaks my heart the, the number of times I realize I've missed out on what God is actually doing in people's lives. I don't, I don't want to miss that. Mm. And so I think for me, like the twofold pieces, I get so hurried that I miss out on what God's doing. And, and mm. so um, I think it's Willard has that quote about there's very little um, that can be done with hurry that can't be done better without it. Mm. Um, and so for me, uh, 
the comparison game leads to hurry, which leads to missing out on what God's doing. Wow, that was a, yeah, that was profound. Like the comparison game, we miss out on joy, we miss out on rest, we miss mm. out on our uh, soul being in tune, I think, mm. with what God's doing. We miss out on the calling that he has for us. Mm. I mean, we could make a huge list of the things that we miss out on when we uh, get caught up on this. So, but the thing is we do get caught up in this, right? We all do. I think we, as Darren expressed earlier, this doesn't go away when you're 47 or when you're 65 (laughs) or probably when you're 80. I don't know. I haven't talked to 80 year olds about this yet, but I guess I should. Uh, It's not something that goes away. So what is some encouragement? And, or some wisdom, maybe there's something from God's word that really helps you or some wisdom that can help us. What would you say to people out there who are struggling with this, which is probably everybody? What would you say to everybody? <laughs> Darren, you want to start us off? Sure, sure. Um, a couple of years ago, I was invited to uh, go to a funeral uh, it was at Lake Couch, and if you know, that's a little town, kind of middle of Vancouver Island, um, little logging town, trying to struggle to remake itself. Anyways, went to this funeral, a uh, sweet older gentleman who had passed away, and this guy was an unbelievable uh, carving artist. Like, his woodwork was just off the charts and he was a logger worked in a yeah for logging companies in lake couch and like we're not talking new york city the epicenter of the world here Uh, (laughs) but they had a they had table after table of displayed of all the cool woodwork and all the things he had made and he had full-on reproductions of logging trucks that were you know two feet long every detail of every log every part of the engine the deep like just incredible work and they're like here he was this logger from Lake Cowichan and his carvings had gained such notoriety that there was some minister in Japan had seen them at something and he bought one took it back and proudly displays it in his office in Japan Um, there was yeah a governor from one of the U.S. states had one sitting in his office he had uh, someone from England who was a minister of health or something had one. Like the dude from Lake Cowichan's work is now spread around the world. And then I was I was reading Proverbs and Proverbs 22, 20, I think it says, it says, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. And mm-hmm. in a weird, bizarre way, it kind of hit me. I was like, that guy never started carving or doing his things because he wanted his stuff around the world in famous political people's offices. Mm. He just loved what he was doing. And he almost like carved to the glory of God. Like, and it kind of hit me. Like it was like a smack in the face, like stop comparing yourself to other people. Just rejoice in the actual work the actual joy of ministry in the location God has called you love the town you're in, love your church, love the people and let God worry about Mm -hmm. where it goes. If you get notoriety or you get noticed or anything for what God 
has worked through you, then great. If not, it's still good. Hmm. It's still fine because the work is legitimate. And yeah, it caused me to reflect a lot. I was like, huh, like, yeah, I'm not building things, but I think I have a role in shaping and forming people's lives and character. And uh, yeah, that is good, legitimate, amazing work. So it's okay just to enjoy it and concentrate it. Let God worry about the success. That's very encouraging. Thank you, Darren. Yeah. Dan, what are your thoughts? What would you say to encourage us? Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, and as we talked about earlier, is like, is are you participating in community um, or are you just leading it? Because if you're not participating in it, the reality is that you're going to feel pressure to compare and to be something else. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, I love authors like Henry Nowen is, is just the best um, for, for just creating that humility and, and what it looks like to, to follow Jesus as, um, as a wounded healer, which is, was a book I read in Immerse and, and have reread a couple times since is just what it is to be a pastor is not being perfect. It's not being king of the world. It's not trying to take the place of Jesus. It's just pointing people to Jesus. And so, um, that would be the biggest thing. And then even just on a practical level, like, maybe there's some things you can do. I, and I know this for me, I'm saying this to myself, like maybe you don't need to follow every gigantic mega church in the world uh, on your Instagram page and spend your Sundays while your service is streaming, looking at how many people are watching everybody else's service. Like maybe, maybe it's worth it to put your phone in a drawer. <laughs> um, and, and in all seriousness, because just practically, like my heart is prone to want to compare. That's the reality. Like I want to judge how good I am, how righteous I am, how valuable I am based on other people. But that's not where my value or identity can ever really come from because that's crushing and that's exhausting as we've talked mm -hmm. about. And so like, I think there's a level of like, what are the practical things of like, maybe don't follow all those accounts. Maybe put your phone in a drawer on your day off or during services, maybe whatever that is. And then, and then go and participate in community. Like tell someone how you're actually doing. Um, like call someone and be like, Hey, I am not doing okay right now. And don't worry about what the ramifications of that are. Cause I would so much rather at this point in my life. And, and for me, I, you know, have struggled with this. I would so much rather be honest and be in a healthy relationship with God and the people around me than I would, uh, want a fake, um, front that people think I'm something that I'm not. Um, I would so much rather just have the freedom to be messy and broken and in need of grace and to lead from that spot instead of feeling like I have to have it all together, which the comparison game will always, always lead to. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's Hebrews that talks about fix your eyes on Jesus. Cause when my eyes are fixed on Jesus, I don't really care about what the other church is doing. Um, that's not in a negative way. That's not in a, I don't want to be together for the sake of the kingdom. But when my eyes are fixed on Jesus, my focus is going to be on what Jesus is calling me to do with the people he's called me to. Um, and so just focus on that. Um, that's hard. Like it's simple, but it's not easy. And so I would say just be willing to do what's simple, even though it's not easy. Thanks so much, Dan. That, I love your practical little bit there of sticking the phone in the drawer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And fix your eyes on Jesus. I mean, that is like my life verse. And I think mm. that is so true. Um, that where your eye, if you're looking in at yourself or are you looking at Jesus, you can't compare, you can't compare when you're looking at Jesus. Um, Jordan, what would you, how would you encourage us? 
I've been working through Last Dance on Netflix and I'm always lagging way behind, so don't spoil it. Uh, and I find it really interesting that Kobe got tired of the comparisons to Michael Jordan. And on that moment, he said, um, everything you see in me is him. He says, I, I grew tired of the comparisons. And I think what a great illustration to the, to the life of the disciple. Everything good you see in us is all Jesus, like Dan alluded to. So yeah. one of the encouragements I've found out of Isaiah, this is similar to Fix Your Eyes on Jesus, so it's, it's maybe re, re-put from a, from a uh, prophet, but you keep him at perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And I found when Christ can draw my attention back to him, remind me again, he is building one church. This is not about greater many kingdoms. This is about his kingdom, his church, his movement. We just get to serve and be a part and watch what he's doing. Then my heart can be kept at perfect peace. And that's a sweet promise that sometimes, um, yeah, we can wrestle with believing, right? Can you keep me at perfect peace? Yeah, perfect peace when your mind has stayed on you. So mind stayed on God, perfect peace. Thank you so much. Well, I think we just need to leave it there. I had this great conclusion par- paragraph uh, to tell everybody, but I think you've, ra- you've all wrapped this up so well. And I appreciate you being honest about your struggle about this. I don't think we're honest enough about this with each other. And I really think that's the strength of even our group of churches that we can um, be honest about this with each other and we can we can have those relationships with each other and encourage each other. We don't need to compare each other, but we can be focused on the vision that God has given us and the calling that he's given each of us and the influence that he has for us where we are. And so I just want to thank you so much for your each of your ministries and the communities that you're in and the churches that you're at. at. And I mean, I asked you here because I knew um how god how much god is working in each of your lives and how he's blessing you and i just really i know we're very grateful for each one of you and for all of our churches out there for your work for the gospel and so thank you so much for being here and um thank you for joining our propel podcast today thanks for listening to today's episode we would love to hear your thoughts on this topic and you can share those with us in the comments or on social media using the hashtag Propel Podcast. As always, our team at the Fellowship Pacific Ministry Center is committed to serving you. To find out more about the resources we have available and how we can support you, visit www.fedpacific.ca.